The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We're coming to you live from Salem, New Hampshire, and we are going to talk to you about set and setting today. This is a little bit of a psychedelic podcast. <laughs> Another one of my hobbies is... We, we turned Scott off. I oh, like, the, I like this when we turn you off. Hey! <laughs> we're running Technical late today. There. Yeah, we're supposed to have Max at the groomer on time. Noelle's coming. We don't have Scott's mic on. There's a lot going on. Happy so, Wednesday. I got this idea for set and setting as it relates to dog training because uh, I'm very interested in the psychedelic therapies that are going on with mushrooms and, and other hallucinogenic compounds and the ceremonious way that they're given the you know there's whether it's indigenous people that have rituals or in a therapeutic sense um, what they're talking about when they talk about set and setting is having an intention and setting the whole situation up for success and um, so I thought we could talk about training our dogs and taking into consideration the set and setting before we have a dog training session so that we can get the most out of it and um, I did actually um, copy oh, he did a, a definition. Real, he did a real definition. Here we go. Of set and setting. This is, I think it's a Wikipedia thing. But it says, uh, set denotes the preparation of the individual, including his personality structure, his mood at the time. Setting is physical, the weather, the room's atmosphere, social feelings of persons present toward one another, and cultural prevailing views as to what is real. So... As that relates to dog training. And do we have a... Oh, we have a quirky tip of the day before we get into this. Oh, you got so excited about right? the set and setting. All right, let's do the quirky tip of the day. We're all off kilter. So... Uh, speaking of mushrooms. <laughs> speaking of mushrooms, I just saw a client this week, just about three days ago, whose uh, golden doodle puppy ate a mushroom when they were out hiking in the woods. And she freaked out and had to, you know, wrestle this mushroom out of the puppy's mouth. But she downloaded an app, so she was able to take a picture of the mushroom with her phone that identified the mushroom immediately to help her find out if it was toxic or not. And the app, I'll just tell you if you guys are interested in this, if you live in an area where you may see mushrooms on occasion when you're out hiking with your dogs, it's called... Um, Picture mushroom, I think is what it's called. Yeah, yeah. and you just Picture take a photo mushroom. of the mushroom. And yeah. then, because Scott said, well, how did you know it wasn't poisonous? She goes, oh, it's okay. It wasn't poisonous. And Scott said, well, how did you know? And she goes, oh, I had this cool app. So download the app. If you go hiking or you're worried about mushrooms growing in your yard, download the app. And maybe yeah. you'll get a precursor to know if your dog ingests it, if it's actually poisonous It or not. was, however, a hallucinogenic mushroom. <laughs> it was not. And her puppy... <laughs> Wound up getting not. a tie-dyed t-shirt and going to a dead show. Yeah, that's exactly what happens when you take yeah. mushrooms. So this is important, really, um, as it relates to dog training. And this is why we wanted to kind of turn it over to that. The set and the setting, your mindset, not only your mindset, but the animal's mindset, 
the setting, where you're doing things, how you're controlling the environment. All of these things are hugely important to take into account to have a successful training session. And we've flushed this out, you know, briefly in Scott Jess style, but we're going to talk about it mostly here. So when you think of mindset and setting and everything else as it relates to your clients or training your own dogs, what types of things are you factoring in? Well, I think that um, we might talk about this briefly on the way in. uh, Preparation for the training session are really going to have a big part of the success you have. And by preparation, I mean, are you going to be using treats? Get the treats cut up, you know, have them handy, have them ready, readily available instead of not having treats. Your dog's doing good stuff. And then you're thinking, oh, shit, I should have got some treats because the dog's doing really well. Uh, having the tools, whatever those tools are. Um, or like yeah. worst case scenario in that sense, you forgot the treats, you asked the dog to do something, the dog does it brilliantly now you run for the treats. Now you're not really rewarding that behavior because now when the dog did the brilliant thing, you're like, yes, and you're running to get the reward. So all of these things are precursors that we put into our sessions with pet dogs, with our dogs and everything else, but it doesn't come necessarily naturally to other people we work with or other people we train with. Yeah. I mean, I put, what is your mood when you're going to do a training session? So if you've just had some bad news, you just got some bills that you can't pay in the mail, you're feeling like crap, you know, that's going to possibly breed over, bleed over into your training session. So you want to have a positive outlook. You want to be feeling at the very least neutral and, you know, have some enthusiasm to go work with your dog, but not dragging, you know, a lot of the day's crap into your dog training session. Yeah. And if something like that does pop up where all of a sudden, you know, you turn, you're in a shit mood and you're supposed to train or you want to work on this certain thing, you can change course too. Like you can just take your dog outside, sit on the deck with your dog. You could just go throw the ball for your dog. You could just go for a short hike with your dog in a safe area. Like, you know, change course. So it's going to be restorative for both you and your animal. Don't make it that, oh, I'm going to do this training session. And if you go into it in a crap mood, it may go poorly and you may come out in a worse mood than you were in. And it's not fair to your dog. That's really the main thing there. Yeah. I put, um, you know, know on the front end what you want to accomplish. Like, what is your plan for this session? And um, what kind of outcome do you hope to achieve within the time allotted with the dog you have in front of you? And um, I tell people all the time, I, I explain what the what heal means, so, you know, because sometimes I just assume, you know, foolishly that people, everybody knows what healing a dog is. And it's, they don't, you know, and I tell them heal is a stationary position beside you. And I show him the ideal. I said, it's also a motion exercise. In a perfect world, this dog is walking right along beside you. His shoulder is in alignment with your leg. So have the ideal in mind of whatever the behavior is that you're trying to work towards, knowing nothing's perfect. But if you're not working towards that ideal, you're never going to be improving. You want to always try to be improving every session with your dog so that you're getting as close to the ideal as possible. But this is stuff that you want to have on the front end before you ever actually get to the training session itself. Yeah. And I want to touch on that too, as far as mindset, and this may touch more on like competitive type of training and everything else. But if you are the type of person who doesn't necessarily remember what happens in the sessions that you did, a lot of people choose to video their entire sessions. If you have time to video your session and go back and, you know, critique it and make notes and everything else, that's great. If you just have some time to jot down some notes after you train, it's going to affect your mindset of the next session. And I know this because like just the way my brain works and the way I am in my life, like when Scott and I were doing our ring training, I would know what we were doing with his dog the previous session, what went well, what didn't go well, everything else. And it strengthened our mindset to go into that next training session rather than we're like, oh, all right, we got all the equipment out. 
like, what are we going to do today? How did it go yesterday? I, I can't really remember. And you're just kind of going through the same motions again with not really advancing. So know where your problems lie, know what you need to fix. And then if it's some big insurmountable problem, just break it down into small little nuances to set your dog up for success. If it's a retrieve, just work one issue of that retrieve that session. So you're feeling confident about that. And then another issue of the retrieve, another session. Don't try to tackle this monumental task, but your mindset is not going to be strong if you're training for a specific purpose, like once a month, let's say, probably once a week, even if you're training for a specific purpose, and your mindset's going to be stronger if you know what your previous sessions looked like, not just what you want to accomplish in this session, but what, 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 what went well about your last session with running context, what, what, what went well, your last session on the dock, everything else. That's a hard one for me. What went well? I got to work that. on that. I noticed. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. And, you know, it would be good to just do a quick little proofing of what went well in the last session. So that I can say what went well a few times. <laughs> Got to show me up. <laughs> but you touch what you did last time, assuming it ended on a good note. Make sure the dog has still retained what that was, and then you're adding to it. And yep. I've, and it depends on. It's a very individual thing on a per dog basis because I've had dogs that seem to retain nothing week to week, and it's always kind of starting at you know ground zero and building up almost in every session. And I've had dogs, now I have a couple of dogs that remember everything, good, bad, and otherwise. So you got to be real careful about your training because they're going to remember and they're going to learn things that you don't want them to be learning just because they're soaking everything up yeah. all the time. Yeah. You know? No, it's true. Um, so w- do you have any other ta- thoughts on set and mindset? Do you have any uh, organization to how the list went or are you just spewing things off? I'm just spewing things off all the right. top of my this head. Is, this I is the Williams this. way. This is here we go. I, just, I would just say, uh, make sure the last thing I, I noted was uh, make sure that you have everything you need ready to go before you get your dog. Yeah. You know, so if you're going to have equipment, you're going to have your jumps out, you're going to have whatever it is. If you're if you're doing sports stuff, you might want to put up a little ring gate or some fencing. If you're doing send outs, all these different things. We used to do so much preparation before we got the dog <laughs> out of the car. Yeah. To so that the dog could have success, you're sending your dog out, you know, sending him away down the field. There's already a toy down there, so he's running down there blind, just hoping that something's down there. And lo and behold, he gets down there, and oh, great, my ball is here, yeah. you know. And even from a pet dog perspective, like if you're setting up a training session and everything else, like have your leash ready to go, set yourself up for success. Like, I made the note that. If you have a dog that's really drivey about birds, like a really prey drivey bird dog, maybe you don't go to the beach to train. Like, be very conscious of how you're setting your dog up in its surroundings and if you're setting your dog up for success or failure. Because people so frequently are like, oh my God, he blew me off. Well, yeah, if you're at Petco, is like going out to socialize and it's a vaccine clinic that day and there's 20 other dogs there. It's not that your dog is blowing you off. You haven't given the dog the information it needs to know how to process being around 20 other dogs. It takes a lot of work to get a dog well-behaved in public, confident in public and everything else. And a lot of times we just get into this mindset of like, oh, I'm socializing him, I'm getting him out. But if your dog's scared out of its mind or like, you know, crazy out of its mind anxious, like, oh my God, I'm so excited to be here, starting to have breathing trouble, either because it's pulling or it's excited, whatever. If you're getting a lot of reps of these things, it's not benefiting your overall cause and your overall lifespan with your dog. So be very conscious of what you're setting your dog up for and how you're setting your dog up. And maybe you're not setting your dog up at all. And if you're not, then that could be where the problem lies because you need to set your animal up for success. That is how Scott and I live 
every day of every one of our lives. We're trying to set our dogs up for good training scenarios, our pet dogs up for good training scenarios, everything else. We're setting everybody up for success that we encounter for the most part. Yeah. And the training sessions that I'm thinking of primarily are with my clients. And these are people that pay good money for me to come out to be there at four o'clock, whatever that time is. And I get there and this is no slight towards any of my clients in particular, but quite often, you know, I'll say, well, you know, get your dog, let's get outside and do something. And they're just not prepared. Now, they've known all week, I'm going to be there at four o'clock Tuesday. But when I'm there at, you know, 3.58, you guys ready to rock and roll, um, they come out, they don't have treats. They don't, they, so there isn't yeah, that Scott's, mental preparation and on Scott's the front end. And Scott's kind in that vein. Well, he's I, just I have like, my own yeah. treats. He's like, here, here take them. some cheese, everything yeah. else. But similar to like if you have a routine to go to the gym, if you have a routine to take your kids to a soccer practice or, you know, you guys go to a soccer game as a couple. Similar if you have a routine to go away for your parents for the weekend. Whatever your routines are, set a routine for training. Maybe you have a separate area where you put all your training stuff and you can just pick up that bag and go. But set yourselves up so it's easier and there's not so much of this like upward climb just to get to a training session. Okay, when we get back, I'm going to focus a little bit more about mindset and we're going to flush out set and setting a little bit longer. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. Okay, we're back. So before we head over to mindset, which is kind of where I want to focus the rest of these 10 minutes or so with you guys, I do want to mention with setting one last thing. And that is, if you have a dog that is new to you, bring your puppy, bring your dog to an area that is going to be easy for it to retain information and train. Sometimes the bathroom is a great place. Sometimes if you have a great walk-in closet and you don't have shoes all over the ground, it's a great place. But bring your puppy or your brand new dog to an environment that is very sterile and have the dog on a leash and it will set you up for much greater success in your dog being able to retain knowledge. Okay, we're going to move on to mindset. You got anything else to talk about with setting, or you feel good no, about it? No, we're moving it? on to setting from mindset. Oh, well, I'm moving to mindset. <laughs> okay, well, let's, All go, right. let's so, go back to setting now. Okay, so um, when we think about mindset, I want to really discuss the dog and the human. Because the one thing we always think about is like, okay, where's the human's head? Did he have a shit day? Are things not going great? Everything else. When it comes to the dog, if the dog is over-aroused, right? Like if the dog is a real prey kind of dog and it just came off of like barking the entire block at all the other dogs that walked by or all the other dogs that it drove by or something else, that dog is going to be in a state of arousal that's like more in the red zone, correct? So you need to get that dog in more of a thinking state. You need to be able to calm that dog down. Just a relaxing walk where you're going back and forth, kind of like, you know, when they lunge a horse or you're just doing some pacing. Like you're, you're just getting the dog to decompress in a certain way so they can be more thoughtful and actually think. Because some of these dogs with crazy drive, it could be that the dogs that, you know, lack intelligence maybe can't think through their drive as much. I'm not sure how it looks, but some of these dogs that are coming at training and these certain behaviors and stuff, just like, you know, pedal to the metal, so excited, everything else it's going to be, could be somewhat dangerous, even with pet dogs. We see it a lot. Dogs get too excited about food. This happens frequently with you. The dog is too aroused even just to be using treats in a session. Yeah. I I showed up to see an English, not an English Mastiff, a a Newfoundland puppy, just four months old and already close to 50 pounds. And I came in, I took a piece of cheese out to just keep the dog from jumping, just to give the dog a treat while all four feet were on the ground. And he grabbed my hand with those little pin... (laughs) 
teeth and I my hand was bleeding. I had like two or three punctures in my hand. I'm like, holy crap. And and the woman that owns the dog said, yeah, he's just a maniac. He's just crazy. He's just biting at my kids, bite, 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 and all this stuff. So you want to get their head calm and get their whole demeanor more in a learning type of a Yeah, and be space. conscious of what food you're using too. It may be the case that this kind of puppy, like if you bring out Charlie Bears or, you know, chopped carrot or something, the puppy's going to be like maybe a little calmer. Maybe all food creates this response right now with the puppy. But if your dog is too aroused, it's going to be an, an issue. If your dog is under aroused, know what brings your dog up to a greater state of arousal. And some things that really worked well, especially like when I was teaching group tricks classes and everything else, is just getting the dog to move a lot. So like you put a treat in front of the dog's face, you go back and forth, back and forth, get the dog to spin. The blood is pumping more, right? Like the blood pressure is higher, the heart rate's higher. The dog is actually in a more working state of arousal. And if the dog isn't into food at that moment, if you just run in a circle, <laughs> go back to lunching a horse, get everything so it's moving. So you're more in a thinking state, you're more in a learning state, and your dog is in that state also. Because the more that you guys are synergistically working together and really putting your most into a session and your dog's giving you his all and you're giving your dog your all by giving your dog your full attention, you're not on the phone, you're not thinking about dinner, you're really present in this moment, you're going to get the most bang for your buck, if you will. And it's important And you mentioned, even as it relates to the mindset and setting stuff, the other people that are around when you're training, are they helping you? Well, that's part of the setting. Yeah. Part of the setting is who you, if there's people involved, who are you training with? Are they bringing you up or bringing you down? Are they supporting you or are they kind of undermining what you're doing? Do you feel intimidated by these people? Maybe you feel like they're better trainers than you. Uh, All these things are going to either enhance your training or are going to hold you back in a sense, you know? So you want to have a good relationship with the people that you're working with, whether it's a professional trainer or whether it's a club that you go to. Or a group class. You want to feel supported. You want to feel as though you can make mistakes in front of people and not be criticized because we're all making mistakes all the time. You know, training a dog is a, you know, it's a flowing thing that, you know, whatever plan you may have, it can change very quickly, 15 times in 10 minutes. I was going to do this, so now I'm doing that. So, you know, you just have to be comfortable changing things up uh, as the dog maybe doesn't present the behavior the way you were hoping that it would. And if you don't have this big grandiose plan of training or anything else, that's okay. But have at least one sort of subset of what you're going towards in the training session. Don't just come out with your clicker and your treats and whatever else and be like, oh, I'm just going to train. Like know a little bit where you're going. And you really need to realize that if you're trying to train with your kids or your spouse or something else, and they, they seem like they're not holding up their end of the deal, it needs to be a mutually beneficial scenario, right? <laughs> like if you're asking your kid to help you, does your kid want to help you? If you're asking your spouse to help you, does your spouse or your partner want to be a willing participant in this? If they don't, then don't bring them into this setup. Like <laughs> call a girlfriend, have somebody else work with you, everything else. But don't make, oh, you know, you're not helping enough, Charlie. So this is why the session isn't going well. And oh, you put that treat in the wrong place. Like that's why it didn't go well. No, like don't just have people there to berate them, train on your own. But if you're training with family members or people who really aren't into the training, unless you have a collective goal of making this dog better, it's not really going to be the most productive session in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, I was going to say, just getting back to the the headspace of the dog, um, if you can crate your dog, if your dog is understands to be calm in a crate, I think it's a good idea to put your dog in a crate for 30, 40 minutes before you do any training, just so that um, 
they're more excited about doing something with you. They've been in a calm environment. And yeah. I say this as opposed to the opposite. You go to the which dog is that park. They, they take the dog and they go out and go for a long walk yeah. before I come as a dog trainer, trying to get the edge off the dog. I'd rather put the edge into the training. I want that dog to have some energy and enthusiasm. And we can channel that into a learning uh, situation where they're, they're excited about doing things. But if they're already kind of, especially puppies, you know, puppies have a ton of energy, but then they're dead. Then they're sleeping. So I hate showing up at a house for a puppy class and the, the puppy is like sprawled out on the grass sleeping. Oh, yeah, we just took him for a walk, tried to calm him down a little bit. Because they're like babies. They're excited. They're running around. <laughs> they're going to be sleeping. sleeping for the whole hour. You know? Scott's there. Yeah. And the same thing like with the dog park. You think, oh, I go to the dog park every morning. If you're going to do a training session, maybe skip that segment of your morning and just channel that energy into the training session. And the point that Scott brought up about crating the dog is brilliant because this even happens frequently with our separation anxiety clients where the dog is getting worse again in the crate. And we'll give the simple advice of just step on the leash for a half an hour before you go to crate the dog, no matter what point of day it's at. And because the dog's headspace has just chilled out with them at their feet, getting in the crate isn't so traumatizing and normally that transition goes better. So be very careful of your precursors and how you're following up with different scenarios and behaviors too. All right. One thing I said in the questions was um, three quick ways to improve your mindset. What are three things that you would do to make yourself feel better just instantly if you needed to? Well, I would do some deep breathing. That's something that I do to, to get myself centered. And if I was feeling some stress or whatnot, it, cal- it calms me, but it also brings me up and gives me energy when I do this deep breathing, you know, short, maybe five minutes of deep breathing exercise just to calm down. Uh, I like to get out and get some sun on my face. That changes yeah, my attitude like right away. D, I like to yeah. go outside and just let that sun soak into my body a little bit. These are things that are real simple that make me feel good. I like being around nature and stuff like that. I like being with my dog. My dog makes me <laughs> really, feel great. He really does love you know, his dog. I mean, if I'm feeling like, oh, this friggin', you know, there's just so much bullshit going on. Where's my friggin' dog? You know, and we go out and sit, sit <laughs> in the can, sun. He can turn the corner and see his dog and he just like, melts. Hey, hey, there life's he is. Good. Yeah, everything's better. <laughs> Those are good ones. So breathing was on my list too. Um, exercise is a good one. So like if you're feeling a little so-so, just like I mentioned with the dog bringing up the arousal, run up and down the stairs five times. Like bring your energy up, bring your heart rate up, bring your own blood pressure up, bring your energy up to get in the game, right? These athletes and stuff before they go out for a big game, they're in a huddle, they're pumping each other up. They're not freaking meditating. So be conscious of how you're using your exercise, how you're using your breathing to calm yourself, to bring yourself up, all these other things. Um, the cold is a good one. We don't do it all the time, but if you're feeling crappy and you want to get in the moment, you go a minute cold shower on your face, get in our tanks for a minute of cold. Like you get out, you're in a new headspace. It is totally a reset. We do this frequently. And then I had mentioned too, just laughing. Like even if you fake it, like there's honestly data and research out there that if you just smile while you do something, if you just laugh, even though you don't feel like laughing, you do these things, you're feeling better. <laughs> you're sending better endorphins, more serotonin, everything through your body. It's getting better all on its own just because you went through the act of laughing. So be very conscious of what tools you have, especially quick, instantaneous tools like we're talking about. Like all of a sudden, Scott gets some bad news. What's he going to do? He could go do some deep breathing. All of a sudden, I'm in a shit mood and I'm really stressed. I could fake laugh. Like we need to figure out things that work for us and then implement them into our daily routines. But when I say in show notes, what are three quick ways to improve your mindset? If you don't have three things that you instantly do and that you can't access here, there and everywhere, then I would start to consider having more tools for yourself because it will be better for you and your dog in the long run. 
Yeah, and um, getting back to the setting here. Oh, my God. I swear to God. It's like we're arm wrestling up here. <laughs> Just Go before ahead. Before we wrap this uh, We're going to wrap up. it up Scott style. Um, <laughs> Welcome to my marriage. <laughs> Go ahead. Anything else on your three? Go for it. Okay. Well, uh, you want to make sure that you have the ability to work through environmental distractions and be prepared for that kind of stuff if you're going to be out in the yard. Okay. And there's... Maybe birds landing in the yard, things like that. Oh, birds, if like on the beach. If you're going to be um, dealing with a puppy and you're going to be in a room, it'd be nice to have it puppy-proof somewhat. Make like sure. a bathroom or a large closet? Similar, yeah. What no, are? I think we both... I know. Do you have other I things? I think we should get back to the three things to <laughs> pump each other up. And fa- that sounds like a fake laugh to me. <laughs> <laughs> he knows when it's fake or when it's real. It's okay. The genuine one is here frequently. All right, you guys, just consider these things when you go into training, please, because it is just a second nature for us at this point, right? Scott's been doing pet dog training for 20 years. We've done a lot of competitive training with all of our individual personal dogs that we had before we got together, since we've gotten together, everything else. These are things that, like, of course, you're going to train... It takes two hours to pack the car. Like we have like a training room where we keep things. We have training bins. Like this is just how we function, but this isn't how normal people function, nor should it be. We're a little bit eccentric and crazy in that sense. We get it. But if you put a little preparation into your mindset, into your dog's mindset, and into the setting that you're training in, I promise you, you're going to see better results. And if need be, reach out to some professionals. We always say it. Don't just listen to some podcasts or watch some YouTube videos for free. Go out, get in the thick of it, see some results, and feel like more um, inspired about what you and your dog can do together. Because honestly, dogs are amazing. We see it every single day. Noelle is out in the parking lot right now with Inga. We're going to spend a few days with her. We're going to go pick up Daisy, who was on our anxiety podcast for a few days of boarding. Like, it's a family thing here. Like, when we get up here and we talk to you, when we bring the podcast and everything else in here, it's a family thing. But if you need more than a podcast or a YouTube video or something else, find a professional to help you because I promise you the potential that you and your dog have is way greater than what you realize. Yeah, All right? and uh, just to conclude... Setting. If, if you can't... <laughs> If that was a real one. <laughs> if you can't put your hands on your dog's leash within a, a minute's yeah. time, <laughs> true. then get yourself get, a half a dozen leashes. Or and, get a leash hook. Yeah. yeah <laughs> get it up because that's the thing. When you, when you need a leash, so many people, I get to their house, they're like, oh, where's the leash? Oh, I don't know. And they just start walking around the house like... Or we have the opposite problem where you have 800 leashes and 800 collars and everything else. I know the dog world plays in a lot of ways, but however you play it, make sure it's working for you and your dog. Guys, thank you so much for joining us this Wednesday. We will see you next week for our last August episode. And then the first Wednesday of September, which I think is September 7th, is Noelle's last episode of her series. Have a great Wednesday and keep it quirky. Take care, guys. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.